0: You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni, as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan and Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC.
1: I mean, the first thing is, one, none of this is investing advice, so... No worries.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, then what what are some things that you would like to share about cryptocurrency? Yeah. So, I mean, Bitcoin is probably the biggest and the most well-known one. And really, it's at the
1: core of it, it's it's a decentralized currency system. So, a lot of our money is digital today. I use my credit card. I swipe it. uh, Numbers are taken out of my bank account. I get my paycheck. Again, money is just transferred from one account to another account. The difference though is that those, those bank accounts are all centrally controlled. And so you have this one single database that says, yes, there's six dollars in this account and 600 in that account and whatnot. The difference with uh, digital currencies is that there isn't that centralized entity that controls uh, the ledger. So with cryptocurrencies, this public ledger is uh, distributed Um, across all the nodes and then every 10 minutes or so transactions are added to that node or added to the ledger um, by these devices called miners and so the miners responsibility um, mining is not the best term for it it's more like they're validating the network so what these miners do is they go out and they search for all the new transactions that are um, pending they grab a transaction and first thing they do is they make sure that the transaction is valid So they have a full copy of the ledger, so they can say, hey, this person wants to send X amount of Bitcoin to this person. really it's they wanna send this amount of Bitcoin from this account to this account. They don't really know who those people are, at least the miners don't. So they check the ledger, they check this public ledger to say, hey, has this money, does this individual actually have this money? Does this account have this, this amount of money in it? Can they transfer it to this other person? They say yes. Okay. So then the miner itself bundles all these transactions. They validate these transactions and they create a block. And that's where we get the term blockchain. We'll go into that in a little bit. So you have this block here and the block itself, the miners, all of them are competing to create a block. And on average, a block takes 10 minutes to create in the block in the Bitcoin network. So. To do that, the miners grab these transactions, and then they take those transactions, they create a hash of it, which is basically a fingerprint, um, this short digit, short hexadecimal uh, number, and then they try to solve a math problem. And the math problem is, the difficulty of the math problem is set so that it should take about 10 minutes for someone, for one of these miners to find it. So after 10 minutes, plus or minus, could be one minute, it could be 19 minutes, but on average it's 10 minutes. Those transactions are added onto a block. It's added to this data structure called the blockchain. So it's just a chain of one block after another. And that miner right now is
0: rewarded with 12 and a half bitcoins for that work. For making sure that a transaction is being validated on both ends. Yes. And a miner is an actual person sitting there receiving this information? So it's all computers. So really it's... So the miner looks in what's
1: called the mempool, which is just a bunch of pending transactions. They take all those transactions, they validate every single one of them, they kick out the ones that aren't valid, they bundle those together, they try to solve a math problem. If they solve that math problem before another miner
0: solves it, that block is added to the chain and they're rewarded 12 and a half bitcoins. And, and when you say they, because the miners are computers. Yes. Who Who is they? So the owner of that miner, is then rewarded with
1: 12 and a half. Um, so right now, this process takes a lot of energy. So there are a lot of mining rigs, so multiple mining devices connected together up in the Arctic because it's cheap up there because the, the most expensive thing with most computers is cooling them. So if you can get it up there where there's geothermal, uh, it
0: keeps it keeps the cost a lot lower. So if I walk into the Blue Mug, right next to campus, I can get, obviously, a cup of Joe, but there's also something else in that building. What is it? So there's a Bitcoin ATM there, and I haven't used one, but the
1: way that the ATMs work is that you can go up to them, usually with cash, Um, you put in a $20 bill, and it will purchase some Bitcoin for you, and you provide it with a wallet. So you provide it with a key to your wallet, and it will transfer that $20 worth of, or whatever amount of money, into your wallet. So the way that the, uh, the wallets work, you have two keys. You have a public key and a private key. And digital currencies are a little different than the cash we have in our wallets, because with the cash in our wallets, we actually have that physical cash. The keys themselves don't actually hold the money, they hold access to the money. So the ledger itself is this, the public blockchain. So my public key, I would show this ATM, my public key, usually with a QR code, it scans it. It sends the money to the public key. I then need that private key, which I keep private. I don't tell anyone. I don't type it into a computer. I keep it completely secret. I take that private key and I can sign a transaction to send that money to someone else. So with a Bitcoin ATM, you go to it, you have a software wallet on your phone. Uh, Copay is a good one, it's open source, it's free. There's no scams or malware with it. You go there, you scan your public key. It transmits that money into that account. And now with your private key, you can now unlock those funds to send it to somebody else. My name is Jesse Clark and I am the manager of web communications for UNC. It's definitely a new field and there are a lot of other cooler applications with this. Uh, I have a friend in the Netherlands right now who is doing identity on the blockchain. So he's working with the Red Cross with these refugees. They don't have access to papers so they can get verified with the Red Cross and then their individual identification gets stored on the blockchain. Because like I said, the blockchain itself is a consensus amongst individuals who don't necessarily trust each other. So these individuals, these refugees can come in and say, hey, here's my identification. And then they can verify that on the blockchain to say, yes, this individual and this public key do match up. I think if you're interested in learning more about cryptocurrencies, I have a cryptocurrency primer that's on my blog that I'll link in the show notes uh, that will just kind of get you started with uh, looking into purchasing a small amount of Bitcoin if you'd like, and how the transaction process works.